Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I'm going to keep it 100 with you. That means keep it real. People have come and told me, oh, I feel like the Lord is calling me to go out and start a church. God is telling me to go out and start a church. Yep, this is what God is telling me. What do you think, Pastor Rodney? Honestly, if I don't see that, I'm not going to lie to you because I want to make you feel good. I'd rather help you by telling you the truth. I'd rather help you by telling you what I feel the Lord is saying. Now, if I'm wrong, then go do it and God's going to be glorified and God's going to do what God's going to do. God doesn't function based on what I say. I just tell you what I feel. If you ask my opinion, I'm going to tell you. If you don't want to know, don't ask. Hallelujah. Amen. When you ask, I'm going to tell you. So I don't see it. I could be wrong, but I don't see it. And they go and it started, and it's a struggle, and it's oh, and again, oh, every oh, it's not working out. And it's two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, seven years, and you got nine people. Don't get me wrong, I'm not into numbers. Although I do, somehow, I don't know how to reconcile this, okay? Don't come to me and ask me after service, all right? I don't know how to reconcile this. I'm not into numbers, and I don't think that if... You know, just because you have a big church, that means God's in it. But I also believe that if God is calling you to pastor, then I should look behind you and see sheep. Okay, that's not that hard. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And I'm not the dullest either. That's not hard. So if I look behind you and I don't see any sheep, there's a problem. But there's a problem. There's a problem. Because God's calling is God's enabling. And if God is calling, you're not going to struggle with it. Because it's God's work. Now listen, I am a witness. Showed up in North Carolina. I didn't know none of y'all. I didn't know none of y'all. And y'all didn't know me. Don't say Amen. I'm like, hey man, good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we didn't know nothing. We started the church. A year later, we had 110 people. Two years from that, we had 200, 300 people. Several years from that, we had five. And then we had, I remember we had 900 people. We had 900 white people. I'll never forget it. The reason why I'm telling you that because the newspaper comes to this story because we had 900 white people. And, and I was a black senior pastor. Me and my family, we were only black people in the church. 
And I think we might have had a couple of biracial couples at that point, but we didn't really have many. We had a lot of white people, though. I remember that. <laughs> and the story that came to do the story on us, and she's like trying to be classy, the reporter lady. I ain't really going to tell you all this, but I'll tell you. The reporter lady, she's trying to be all classy. She's like, you know, well, how is it that you, you know, have so many, you know, people? I said, oh, white people? And I, she says, how do you get all the people in the church? I said, you still can't say it, can you? How do you get all the people in church? I said, I don't. You don't? No, I don't. I said, honestly, listen, write this down. I don't care who comes to church. I want to teach God's word. I want people to know God. I want them to know his word. If God sent white people or black people or blue people or purple people or yellow people, I don't care what color those people are. As long as they come with a heart to hear the word of God, that's all I'm concerned with. And if they do that, then, 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 then I'm happy. I never care. I never cared. I never care how many people come, but y'all knows, Andy, how long you been knowing me? 18 years? You know, I never cared. And because, you know what, here's the thing. Because I think we need more churches where people don't have the black-white issue. We need more churches like that. And that is why, honestly, I, I will tell you this, this is why I boldly flat say what I have to say about this whole topic because somebody needs to say it. If you cannot get along with people here on this earth of a different race, you are going to hate heaven. <laughs> Am I right about it? So, what verse are we on? <laughs> I think we're right around seven. Let it be. Look at verse seven. Let it be when the signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands for God is with you. In other words, again, just go with it. It, it won't be, you know, easy, but just, just go with it. Go with it. Don't get overwhelmed. It's very easy to get overwhelmed. The donkeys, the girls, the prophets, the dinners, the walks, the talks, the prophesying, the guitars, the tambourines, and more prophesying. Samuel is telling Saul, listen, relax. Trust the Lord. He's going to bring it to pass. Psalm 37, 4, write it down. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, relax and don't worry. Well, look at verse 9 through 16. Let's read verse 9 again. And so it was. In verse 9, you looking at it? Say amen. And so it was. When he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, look at verse 11, that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? I'll explain in a minute. And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servants, where you guys been? 
So he said to look for the donkeys. When we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. When Saul had turned his back to leave Samuel, that's when God gave him another heart, and all the signs came to pass. Again, the details of the fulfillment of the first two signs aren't given. As Saul left Samuel that day, God gave him another heart. Very interesting that God gave him a new heart when Samuel left. God didn't choose to give it in the presence of Samuel. Why? Well, I believe because God didn't give it in the presence of Samuel because God wanted it to be clear that the new heart wasn't a work of Samuel. It was a work of God and God alone. God wanted Saul to know and Samuel to know that it wasn't Samuel's work, it was the Spirit of the Lord. God wanted Saul to honor and respect Samuel, but God never wanted Saul to look at Samuel in the place of the Lord. Notice verse 10, when the prophet showed up, Saul began to prophesy. It seems that in the context of praise, not foretelling or forthtelling the future, but in, in the context of praise. Verse 11, notice when people saw what was going on, they said, what's going on? Understand, these people see a seven-foot guy dancing around, shaking a tambourine. It's hard to miss a guy that's seven feet tall. He was the tallest guy in all of Israel, man, we learned that. So he got to be six and a half, seven feet tall, pretty tall guy, hard to miss him. Perplexing to see him dancing around, shaking a tambourine, doing a macarena. I don't know what he's doing. And they asked, has Saul become one of the prophets? One of the guys in verse 12, who had a bit of insight said, who is his father? And therefore it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? Now the idea here, listen, is not a prophet because, Saul's not a prophet because his dad's a prophet. It's not something that is hereditary. It's God who chooses who should be a prophet or not. So it became a saying, is Saul a prophet? In other words, God can do whatever he wants because he's God. So if somebody says, hey, can God do that in somebody's life? In that culture, somebody would then pop up and say, is Saul a prophet? Hey, can children actually be responsible and do what they're told? Is Saul a prophet? Like that. Verse 13. When Saul finished dancing and prophesying, he went to the high place and he ran into his, to his uncle and he said, where you been? Verse 14, Saul said to look for the donkeys and we saw that they were nowhere. Interesting. We saw that they were nowhere. That's an interesting comment. Well, Uncle Yentl said, what did Samuel say to you? And Saul rehearsed about the donkeys. Did you get this? Saul rehearsed about the donkeys and how they are found, but he didn't tell him anything else. He didn't tell him, well, you know, my head's really oily because I got anointed as king. He didn't tell him, hey, there's a new proverb in town about me. 
He didn't tell him, I've got this bag of bread for this reason. He didn't tell him Saul anointed him king. Just these little details, he didn't tell him. And some Bible scholars say that this is humility on Saul's part. And some say it's unbelief and stubbornness on Saul's part. Now, we all know people in the church, first thing they would have said is, uh, hey, I'm soaked in oil because I'm the new king. Kiss the ring. Saul didn't do that. I'm the king. I'm the prophesying king. We all know people like that, but Saul didn't do that. Not really sure why. Scholars are on different ends as to why. Look at verse 17. Saul got all the people together in verse 17 in Mizpah. Sound familiar? Then Saul called the people together to, uh, to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I bought up Israel out of Egypt. Now, this is really interesting. Now, th let me tell you in a second. I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God, who himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourself before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Mitri was chosen. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is, underline this, hidden among the equipment. Now, some of your Bibles say hidden among the stuff. Say about that in a minute. So they ran and they brought him from there in verse 23. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from head, from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. And then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men, underline that, went with him. Would to God valiant men would go with me, whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, welcome to the ministry. How can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents but he held his peace. Okay, let's wrap up. Samuel got the people together at Mizpah. You remember Mizpah? Chapter 7, Samuel gathered all the people at Mizpah, and that's where Samuel told the people to, uh, don't shut your Bibles yet, told the people to, to, to repent and to put away their their foreign gods and to prepare to serve the Lord. Remember that in chapter 7? And then they drew water and they poured out the water before the Lord as a sign of a heart that was poured out and repentant. And so Samuel calls the people again to this very same spot, Mizbah. And said to the children of Israel, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I bought you up out of Egypt. Now watch this, you'll miss it. Notice Samuel said, I 
brought you up out of Egypt. It seems that the Holy Spirit almost is taking over his lips. Like God speaking through him. I brought you up out of Egypt. And he starts to prophesy. He starts to talk in the first person. I brought you up out of Egypt. I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 19, but you have rejected your God who saved you from your adversaries and your tribulations. And you said, no, set a king over us. Then Samuel says, everybody line up, tribe by tribe, family by family. Before God appoints a king for Israel, God reminds them of what he's already done. God is reminding Israel that he was still more than qualified to be their king. And their rejection of him was all them, not the Lord. Also keep in mind, the anointing of Saul was private. So now the people are going to publicly see who their king is. Verse 20, Samuel had all the tribes show up. And then the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Benjamin steps forward. Did y'all get this? Benjamin steps forward. And from Benjamin uh, comes the family of Mitri. And from Mitri, Kish was chosen. Verse 21, from Kish, Saul's father. Now they're looking for Saul, and they couldn't find Saul. Finally, they find him hiding among the equipment. Samuel, get the picture here. Samuel is presenting the new king to Israel. He narrows everybody down to Saul. He says, okay, all the people are gathered together. Remember, this is the time that he's being presented to the nation. Remember, it was a private anointing. Did y'all get that? Well, now he's being presented to the nation. So Samuel says, okay, people gather around. I want to make you uh, aware and introduce to you your new king. And the curtain opens and ain't nobody there. Where's he at? No Saul. I love Spurgeon, you know that, the Prince of Preachers. And Mr. Spurgeon has a good sermon on this text titled, Google it, Hidden Among the Stuff. And he describes how believers and unbelievers can be hidden among the equipment, hiding from the crown that God wants to give them. Interesting, God has a crown that he wants to give to Saul, and Saul is hiding. Spurgeon said, there may be some of you here present who may be doing precisely what Saul did, only you are doing it more foolishly than he did. He did but hide away from an earthly crown, but you hide from a heavenly crown. Verse 22, they didn't know where he was, and so they prayed, and they asked God, and God told them, listen, he's hiding among the equipment. So they look over there around the equipment, and there he is. They can see. Remember, he's a tall guy. He's hard to hide. And they're like, Saul, get over here. What are you doing hiding? And already, listen, we see Saul making a great choice for a king. And we see Saul hiding from that calling. He's hiding from that already. Something telling about Saul. Already showing signs of avoiding God's call on his life. Well, when they finally find Saul, they say, get over here. They pull him up. And he's tall. Verse 23 tells us he was higher than any of the other people. And they brought him before the people and the whole nation is like, ooh, ah, yes, yes, this is the king. This is the guy. He looks like a king. Good choice. He belongs on the cover of royalty magazine. Verse 24, Samuel said, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There's no one like him among all the people. You know, if I was a betting man, I would say that Saul said this sarcastically. Why? 
because Samuel knew Saul wasn't a bad man, but he wasn't God's man. He knew Saul wasn't the man that God wanted to be king over his people. Samuel knew that Saul was man's king, but not the man after God's own heart. So Samuel said, look, look at him. There's no one like him among the people. Here's your image king. Here's your king from central casting, but not the man that God chose. This is actually a sad ceremony. And what's even sadder is the people didn't have a clue. They began to shout, long live the king. And this is really sad because now they have their image and now they can have their pageantry and they've, they've been longing for. You could see them moping around. Oh, well, the Edomites, they have their king, long live the king. And the, 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 the Amorites, they've got their king. And, and, and all the other ites, they've got their king. We don't have a king. Oh, now, now we can say, long live the king. God had been their king. There's no point in saying long live the king when you're talking about God. He lives all the time. Somebody say amen. God had been their king. They never needed to go looking for him. When you seek the Lord, nobody ever said, hey, we can't find the Lord. Contrary, the Bible says if you seek him, what? You'll find him. The great thing about King Jesus is nobody has to say long live the king because he ever liveth, the Bible says, to make intercession for us. When somebody says, may your king live, you got the wrong king. Well, verse 25 tells us that I'm coming in for a landing right here. Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty. Now, listen, I was going to tell you a lot about that, but I will just simply tell you this. The behavior of royalty is not talking about how the king should hold his teacup. The behavior of royalty is talking about selfishness and wickedness. Royalty sits around waiting for people to do for them. Royalty doesn't drive their own cars. Royalty doesn't make their own meals. The behavior of royalty, and I'll let you read it in your own time, in Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20, is the behavior of royalty, and it's warning the king to remember the word of the Lord and to be sure to keep the word and don't let his heart get lifted up. It's a warning to the king about wickedness and selfishness. Saul had a bunch of guys around him in verse 26 who were on fire for God. Don't you love that? I love to be around people who are on fire for God. And I don't like to be around Christian spiritual Eeyores. Say amen. I love the Lord. I'm going to heaven. God is good. Really? You would never know it by looking at you. And these guys were on fire for the Lord. They love the Lord. And in verse 27, finally, just like Saul had some men who were with him, he also had some men who were against him. These guys are saying, who does he think he is? He's seven feet tall, thinks he's all that in a bag of chips. I like the statement in verse 27. And Saul held his peace. Saul was wise. Saul thought, I know I'm not going to win the nation in a day, so I'll hold my peace. You know, sometimes when people are saying this or that, you got to hold your peace. Am I right about it? Somebody once said, if you take care of your character, God will take care of your reputation. If you take care of your character, God will take care of your reputation. Listen, Saul started out 
He had everything. He was tall, dark, and handsome, and rich. Chosen and anointed by God. Filled with the Holy Spirit. He had the support of a man like Samuel. He had been given gifts that are appropriate to royalty. He had support and goodwill of most of the nation. He had valiant men surrounding him, men whose hearts God had touched. He had wisdom not to look at every doubter or critic as an enemy. But despite all of these advantages, listen, he didn't let the Lord lead his life. You can have everything going for you and still not let the Lord lead your life. And even when the Lord turned his heart, you can still resist that and not let the Lord lead your life. And the rest, I'll give it to you early. The rest of 1 Samuel is about just that. Saul, not allowing the Lord to lead the rest of his life. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.